We've talked on this show about how to give feedback to others and how to communicate constructive criticism when you need to, but we've never addressed what you can do when you're the target of the criticism. Today, your two critics at work and how to handle them. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 130. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And if you are interested in becoming more effective in working with people and influencing people and looking at the people side of organizations, this is your show. I'm so glad that you've made the choice to join in today on a topic that is one that, frankly, I'm surprised haven't hit yet on the show as I look back, is how to handle criticism when it's directed to us. And what prompted this topic is I received a email from one of our community members this week who said, uh, I won't read the email in detail, but said, hey, I am the subject of a lot of criticism in the workplace right now. And what can I do to handle that situation? And I don't know the details of, of why they're subject to criticism and, and what's happened. But the question is there is like, what do I do now that I'm in this situation? I've got a lot of people giving me criticism. Uh, I've got people that are just aren't, you know, aren't helpful people working with me. How can I handle that situation? And so today, two people that tend to show up as far as our critics in the workplace and how we can handle that. And before I talk about the two different types of critics, this topic uh, actually got me thinking this week as I was preparing for the show about something from a long time ago, I think when I was in fourth or maybe fifth grade. I used to watch this show here in the States, at least, I don't know if it aired other places, called Square One when I was a kid. And it was a children's television show, and it, it aired in, I think, the late 80s. And it was a show that was kind of a, one of these shows that was all about uh, getting kids excited about math and learning about math in a fun way and using math on the show to do problem solving. It was kind of like, it was a little like a Sesame Street or a 3 to one contact was for science or learning or reading, but it was kind of like square one was for the math stuff. And I love that show. I thought it was a really cool show. My favorite part of the show was at the end of the show, um, most shows, I think at least, they had this segment called MathNet, M-A-T-H-N-E-T, MathNet. And what it was, it was this fictional um, kids crime drama, I guess is the best way to describe it. And there were these two police officers who were detectives and, you know, I think it was set in LA or something like that, but they were math detectives. And so they would go around and uh, they each week they'd have a case and they'd have to solve it. And it was always a case that required some math to solve. And so they'd, of course, always solve the case using whatever the topic was that week. And, and sometimes, and, you know, sometimes there would be like, it would leave you hanging for the next week. You know, there'd be like continued next week. And I was always like, wow, what's going to happen next week? And anyway, I just loved that show when I was a kid. And I got really into it to the point where, um, you know, they do the part on the show where the the two math detectives would show up at the doors and they'd have their little badges. And so I, I remember in fourth grade, like cutting out these little 
badges and I got these little folding wallets. And so I had, I had a badge and I had my brother had one too. We had these little police badges and, you know, it said math net on it. And, you know, we'd go around and pretend to solve crimes. And so I'm at school one day, this is again, fourth or fifth grade, and I'm on the playground and my, my little, I had my little badge wallet with me and it fell out of my pocket. And one of the other kids on the playground found this wallet and they opened it up and they saw this, you know, fictional badge math net thing. And all of a sudden it got circled around the playground. And uh, as tends to happen when, you know, you have a lot of kids who (laughs) uh, like to make fun of each other is it ended up in the hands of the big bully. And I remember that there were all these kids around and I, of course, had gotten wind that this I had lost this thing and I was looking for it and I was searching for it and realized that it had been circling around the playground. And, um, and I, I remember going up to the big bully who had finally ended up with it, just wanting to get it back. And he took one look at it and opened it up and read it. And I remember him just staring at it for four or five or six seconds. It felt like an hour, though. And he closed it and he handed it back to me. And he said, here you are, Sergeant. And all the other kids started laughing. And I just felt like about an inch tall. And it, it really reminded me of this topic in this episode this week because, unfortunately, the bullies grow up. <laughs> and I shouldn't say unfortunately. I mean, we want everyone to grow up. But um, some people never grow out of that, is what I mean to say, is... Um, there are bullies on the playground, on every playground, and every place in the world. And unfortunately, I have yet to work uh, in most organizations. Actually, I take that back. Uh, there's, there's uh, with my uh, one organization, I didn't run into this very much. But I, I, with almost no exception, I've not yet run into an organization where there wasn't someone who, if not a bully outright, did some of the kinds of things that bullies do. And so it is, and this, you know, one of the things that's really uh, great is revisiting this issue now is there's so much more awareness about this in playgrounds and with kids now and, and educators are doing so much more around the problem of bullies and really addressing that a lot more proactively, still a lot more than needs to be done, of course. Um, so I'm hopeful that my kids will have a, a little better experience in this situation but I don't think that we always know how to handle this in the workplace. And it, it really does bring a lot more challenges in the workplace, too, of how do you handle something if you've got someone who's giving you a lot of criticism and maybe acts like a bully. Um, and that is one of the two types of critics I do think that show up for uh, us in the workplace. One of them is the bully. And the bully is someone who is very much in it for themselves. Uh, you know a bully because they tend to talk poorly about you to others when you're not around. Um, they also tend to be very hypocritical in a lot of their interactions and in their own actions. If you address their criticism and you solve it and you deal with whatever issue that they're having, a lot of times they just find something else and they're on to the next thing that they're being critical of, uh, of you or anyone else of. And of course, that you know, this stems from many times a low self-esteem and a need to have power. And so they're criticizing others because they need to. And 
that shows up in the workplace, unfortunately, too. Some people never learn good habits, good tools, good ways to interact with others. And for whatever reason, they just don't have the tools and the equipment in order to be able to interact well. So that's that's one kind of critic that shows up for us in the workplace. Well, the good news, though, is that there's also another kind of critic that shows up for us in the workplace. And this one I've run into a whole lot more, and that is the champion. The champion is different than the bully. The champion is someone who can be very critical, that can be in your face a lot, that can give you a lot of negative feedback. Uh, The difference between the champion and the bully, though, is that they're in it for you and themselves. The bully's just in it for themselves. The champion is in it for you and them. Yes, they are difficult. Yes, they are hard to work with some days. Yes, they uh, can be very, very challenging to interact with. And they tend to come from it from the standpoint of how can they make you better? How can they help themselves and the organization to be more effective too? Um, The difference with the champion and the bully is they tend to be more likely to speak highly about you to others when you're not around. Um, And they are as tough on themselves as they are with you, and often tougher. Uh, That is something that's true of the champion is they will be uh, just as hard on themselves as they will be with you. And they are willing to talk about their mistakes. That goes back to uh, a couple episodes ago of talking about the importance of talking about our mistakes in a leadership role. They're willing to talk about their mistakes too and use those as examples to help us to learn and to improve. And they get excited when you actually do improve. So if they're critical in some nature and you do something differently or you're able to make a change or to respond to their feedback, oftentimes they're very pleased to see that. They're excited and they're more willing to help you and to help you to continue to develop. And these folks tend to have higher self-esteem and a little less need for power, but they will still use power to advance themselves and others and their organization, but they tend to use power in a little bit more effective way. And they criticize you because they want you truly to improve. And you know, one of the things that I think of when I think of the champion is I think of Olympic athletes. Uh, you know, the Olympics just finished in the last week here, and I think about an Olympic athlete. An Olympic athlete, uh, you know, you when you watch the Olympics, you just get a sense. I've never been to the Olympics, but I I, I just get the sense that if I ever if I ever got the privilege to go and just kind of watch and and be around like the places where the athletes are. You just get the sense there's such a camaraderie at the Olympics that yes, there is tough competition and there is is some of the most challenging type of uh, physical endurance that you'd ever see in the entire world. And yet you see the camaraderie between these athletes of different nations of how they will support each other, how they will cheer for each other. Yes, they want to win. By by no means do they not want to win. And they also want to face the best of the best. So they challenge each other as opponents to get all of them better and more effective. And they want to be first among the best. They want to play among the best people out there. And so when I think of the champion, I think of an Olympian, I think of someone who is really driven and also driven to make other people effective too and to coach others' heart. And so here's the thing 
is that both of these people in the workplace are, are in the workplace, and sometimes uh, they look very much alike on their face, and and they also uh, can sometimes show up in the same person. You know, the bully and the champion are endpoints of a very long spectrum, and so. You know, you may have someone who's a champion in many situations, but once in a while can be a bully. And the opposite, of course, is true, too. Very few people are extremely on only one or the other. Uh, Although we all know examples of people who are at farther ends of the spectrum. And so, you know, I do believe in my heart of hearts, because of all the wonderful interactions I have with this community and the people I get to speak with, and the folks who write me and the folks who call in on the show, is that this show and the community, the Coaching for Leaders community, tends to attract people who are champions and people who are much further along to that side of the spectrum who are not just in it for themselves, but they are in it for others too. They speak highly about others. Yes, they're tough, but they talk about their mistakes and they're excited to see others improve too. And that said, I also believe in my heart of hearts because I know myself and I know the people I've worked with over the years that if we examine ourselves, that we've all also been bullies at times too. And so um, so I mentioned this up front because you handle these two different types of people a little differently. There are some things you do with one that you don't necessarily do with the other, um, but there are two different types. And I think sometimes it's very, very easy for all of us because I know that I do and I know that many of the people I work with struggle with this too, is we see the bully in everybody. And yes, there is the bully in all of us. And a lot of times we don't stop to recognize the elements of champions that are in the people who are criticizing us and sometimes are truly the champions who are criticizing us to make us better. And so that's a perspective that I have found has been really helpful over the years of being able to handle feedback and to manage it a little bit more effectively. And the thing is with criticism is, you know, we all... Uh, I shouldn't say all of us, but I hear from many people often, you know, I just don't want so much of the criticism. I don't really want the criticism in the workplace. You know, my boss is critical. My peers are critical of me. Uh, I go home and my family's critical of me. I don't I don't want the criticism. I just want people to uh, empower me and I want people to give me positive reinforcement, and good coaching. And I just I just I don't feel like the criticism has a place. And so first of all, and you already know this, that place doesn't exist in this world. Um, But the other thing that I would say more importantly is that you actually don't want the criticism to go away. The criticism is something that is helpful to us. It actually helps us to get better. It helps us to improve. It helps to engage each other and ourselves. You know, one of the most famous studies that was conducted in the early part of the 20th century on organizational behavior and motivation. Uh, a set of studies that have been uh, have been named the Hawthorne studies because they were um, conducted in Hawthorne, Illinois, at a manufacturing plant. And the studies—it's uh, a whole series of studies—and it and it does get pretty complex. But but the reason they became famous is they did studies. They studied a, a manufacturing plant and they looked at. Um, how changing different things in the environment would affect 
people's productivity in the workforce. And so one of the famous things that they did is they adjusted the lighting in this manufacturing plant. So they measured the productivity levels prior to uh, the, the commencement of this change that they were doing. And then they started measuring what would happen to workers when, the, when they increased the lighting in the factory. And then they also studied what happened when the lighting decreased. And they did a bunch of other things as well, too. But the lighting is probably the most famous aspect of the study. And, and here's what they found. When they increased the lighting in the factory over a period of time, productivity went up. Now, before you go out and buy a whole bunch more light bulbs for your workplace, you should also know that when they uh, measured what happened when they decreased the lighting in the facility, productivity also went up. And in fact, uh, when they did a whole bunch of other things, regardless of what they did and what they changed, they found that productivity went up and it stayed up for a while until they stopped changing things and the study, um, the, the changes of the study finished and things went back to quote unquote normal, then productivity gradually started to go back to the levels that it was at the control levels before the study had officially begun. And the reason this study became famous wasn't because uh, they figured out, uh, you know, lighting correlating with people's motivation. What they found out is that when a group of people know that they're being watched and studied, they tend to be more engaged. They tend to be more productive. And when we don't pay attention to people as much, people tend to disengage. They tend to be a little less productive. Now, the study is a little more complicated than that, but that's the essence of the finding. And it has gone on to be one of the most famous studies in motivation and organizational behavior. And it really sparked a whole look at behavioral sciences and how people interact and work. And we still find, uh, we still find many, many examples of that today. Uh, one of the most recent ones that I've heard of and had on dialogue on this show back in episode 79. Those of you who've been listening to the show for a while remember Michelle Smith was here from OC Tanner. She's an executive at OC Tanner, which is uh, one of the uh, really the leader in the recognition industry. So they do a lot of thinking about what motivates people and what keeps keeps people on their toes. And part of the research that she's been looking at and brought to us and talks about in detail on that show, so I won't go into detail here, but is that, you know, the most engaged workforces are the ones, not surprisingly, that have managers who are pretty positive, uh, interact with people often, give positive reinforcement, all the things you would expect. The lesser engaged workforces are the uh, workforces where the managers, someone who's, you know, maybe just criticism most of the time, the champion, or maybe even the bully a lot of the time of just being critical, of giving negative feedback, of pointing out errors and wrongs of people, that's a lesser engaged population, as you would imagine. But here's the interesting part, is that even lower engagement than that is when the manager does nothing. When people are ignored, the engagement levels are even lower than they are when people get mostly negative feedback. And so that is why we need our critics. As much as we, um, most of us don't like to hear criticism, and most of us, um, you know, when we see it coming, we think, ooh, you know, what are they going to say today? Or, you know, so-and-so wants to have a meeting with me, and I know they wouldn't have a meeting, we wouldn't have set that meeting with me, or I know this call wouldn't be happening this afternoon. 
based on the people who are in the room or on the conference call, if I wasn't going to hear something, some bad news, or if I wasn't going to get criticism. And it's so easy for us to want to push against that. And it's human nature. And I get it because we've all been there and and none of us like to hear that criticism. But Wolf, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Rolf, <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson, who, by the way, has given like every quote in society. If you ever wonder where a quote came from, it probably came from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He had so many quotes. One of his quotes is, our chief want in life is someone who will make us do what we can. I'll say that again. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, our chief want in life is someone who will make us do what we can. We want that person who can coach us, who can, yes, give us that positive reinforcement, also can get in our face once in a while too. And when we need to be better, we need to be more effective, is willing to tell us that. So we can be the person, the professional, the leader that we want to be. So what can you do when you're dealing with both the bully and the champion. What are some actions you can take? Well, here's what you can do that will help you to manage that criticism a little bit more effectively. So first thing is to, uh, and this works great for both the bully and the champion, is to listen and be calm. You know, most of us, when we either sense criticisms coming or it is right in front of us and we're getting that critical feedback, our urge is to immediately become defensive. And even if we don't say that verbally, um, is, as soon as we become defensive, we stop listening. We don't listen for what the other person's saying. And sometimes we know what they're going to say. Oftentimes we don't. We don't and, and even if we know part of what they're going to say, we don't hear the full perspective of it. And so uh, the first thing we really should do is when we get criticism from someone, whether it's the bully or the champion, is to stop listen and to be calm because if we don't it may put up barriers to hearing something that could be of real value to us and and here's the thing is even if it is coming from the bully and the criticism is unwarranted and it's untruthful and it's just being done uh to hurt hurt you or to to be critical of you um if you're the one keeping your cool you come across looking like the party who's a little more in control um, and, and if you are a, the, per, the people who are the bullies like to be in control, they like to have power. And if you give them that control and that power by reacting very defensively and fighting back, that's exactly what they want. So, um, if you're the one that can keep your cool, then you are the one that keeps control of the situation. Now, here's my one exception to that. If someone says something, and I've said this in an episode before, if someone says something in a public forum that is factually incorrect about you or something you've done or your team has done, you know, you're just 20 people in a staff meeting and the bully on the other end of the room calls you out on having done something that you didn't do or says you hit it, didn't hit a number that you hit, um, in that case, I think you, you owe it to yourself and the team of people you work with to correct that wrong in a, in a group of, in a public forum. So if that's the case and in that situation, by all means respond, make your case and say, yes, say <laughs> not yes. Uh, I believe you're mistaken on your facts. Make your case professionally and confidently and do it calmly. 
And then later on, you can handle the the bigger conversation. But that way, you don't leave everyone in the room, all 20 people, thinking you didn't do something or thinking that you are not doing your work that you said you would do um, just because someone brought up some random criticism and you didn't respond to it. So that's one exception to that. But that exception aside, uh, you know, if you can listen and be calm and try to figure out what the person is saying, you will sometimes hear things that will be of real value to you. And that is true whether you're talking to a bully or a champion. Here's the second piece, and this works well for the bully and the champion as well, but even more so for the bully is to set aside the tone or the personal attack. Ugh, hard to do. <laughs> Easier said than done, I can assure you. You know, I remember getting feedback years ago about my performance in a position. And I remember the way it was delivered. I wouldn't say it was delivered as from a bully, but it also wasn't delivered from a champion either. Um, there was uh, some politics in the organization and the feedback I got, while, while somewhat accurate, was way, way delayed, um, should have been communicated a lot sooner. Um, some things weren't communicated to me that should have been communicated. Anyway, long story short, um, I felt like it was a personal attack. And and I remember steaming about it for many days, weeks even, and not really hearing what was actually being said. And And after reflecting on it for a couple of months, actually, I realized finally that, yes, while all of those things were true, that it wasn't handled well, that the communication wasn't clear, that the feedback I had gotten wasn't fair, that all these other things were were happening. It was also true that there was value in the criticism that I got. And because I delayed seeing that value, it delayed me getting another position, at least in the short term. And so uh, if there is value, you know, if there is value in what the other person is saying, if you can set the tone aside and set the personal attack aside, at least temporarily, sometimes you can hear that value and then be able to assess, even if it is an attack, even if this person's being critical for no apparent reason, is there something here that I could use that might actually be of value to me? And here's another way that can be helpful is ask a more independent party to analyze it for you. So if you get some crazy feedback that's out of left field, Talk to someone who has a little bit more independent perspective. Maybe they're not directly involved in the situation. Maybe they know you, but they don't necessarily know the other party. You don't even have to say who you got the feedback from, but bounce the idea off someone else. Say, hey, I've gotten this feedback. Does that sound like something that you think is a struggle for me? I'd really like to know, um, you know, what's the time you've seen me do that well or poorly? If you can get some an independent party to help analyze it with you, that will also get you some perspective. So if you can set aside that tone or personal attack, that'll be of real value to you. Thirdly is ask for feedback and criticism. This is the one to do only with the champion. Um, asking for criticism from a bully is probably a fool's errand to go down that path. But for sure, when you know you're dealing with a champion is to ask for feedback and criticism. You know, early in my career, my first, uh, actually, my first full-time position, I worked for someone who was a champion. They were a superstar in, uh, in the company. Uh, they, were, they had a, a reputation of being someone who was fiercely loyal to their team, who was a driver, who was a numbers person, 
got stuff done, and they also had a reputation of being kind of a drill sergeant, of being very difficult to, to work for, of being very demanding, of having very high expectations. And I walked in having heard of, you know, a little bit of that, and boy, were people right. <laughs> you know, this person was was pretty tough to work with. And there were days, I remember in that first job, I didn't want to go into work because I knew I was going to hear it uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, I was going to hear the good, and, and, and she was great about communicating the good. But of course, that's not what I remember. I remember hearing the constructive criticism, and I got a lot of it uh, early in my career of what you did well. Here's what you did poorly. Here's what you need to do better. You're not performing. Boy, I'll tell you, <laughs> it was it was uh, it was a wake up call because I'd never been in an environment where people were where someone was that blunt. Um, and so, what I learned over time, and this took a while um, because I was pretty slow figuring this out. Um, but what I learned over time is that if I was my own toughest critic, it was difficult for her to tear me down. And she wasn't trying to tear me down. She was trying to build me up. But I would hear her words and I would tear myself down. And I love the quote from Doug Conant, who's the former CEO of Campbell Soup. And Doug said, be your own toughest critic. Demand excellent performance from yourself. And your leadership will thrive in the face of adversity. I think that's great uh, I think that's great advice from Doug. And so what I learned out of that situation was to start not only uh, being my own toughest critic, being as hard on myself as she was going to be on me, but I also learned to start asking for the feedback. So I would proactively think of what is she likely going to be looking for? I would address that. Uh, and then I started asking her for feedback. I would do something and I would invite her to watch. I would invite her to come observe. And then I'd start asking for the feedback. And all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> uh, when I was the one who was driving it, when I was asking for the feedback and asking for the criticism, all of a sudden, uh, it became, it seemingly became a lot easier. I don't actually think anything she said was different, but just in my own mind, I was driving it. It was me who wanted to get better. It was me who was valuing that uh, that feedback, that criticism, and you know what? I I learned a lot in that year I worked for that person. I mean, it was really really valuable for me. And now I look back and and I'm really grateful for that experience. And so I think that taking the advice of Tom Henschel, who was on this show, oh, back in episode 107, we talked about. Uh, three steps to soliciting feedback. And even though we were looking at that from the other end of the leaders soliciting feedback from their teams, you know, one of the things Tom said is ask often. And I think that's good advice for also asking for feedback for people we work with and 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 also talking with the people who manage us too, of asking often for feedback. Um, and, you know, and then when someone gives us that feedback, like Tom advised saying thank you um, and and or helping me understand what that feedback is and and then do something with it. You know, if it's if it is the bully, uh, you know, you can just set it aside, say thank you for the feedback and you don't have to do anything with it. Uh, if it's the if it is the champion, though, you can take action to do something to make yourself better. And in fact, that's my next piece of advice here is to embrace the criticism and to make a change. And you can do this with either the bully or the champion. Embrace the criticism and make change. You know, realize that a lot of people use criticism as their primary tool to develop other people. You know, as much as we talk about in this show, the importance of positive feedback and reinforcement, 
coaching others effectively, giving great feedback. Uh, and, and I've talked about this ratio before that I learned early in my career of 75% positive feedback, 25% constructive criticism. Uh, you know, as, as much as I'm a believer in that, I also am a realist and I know that most people don't work that way. Even as much as the business world and organizations have changed in the last generation and how much more we've all learned about the importance of, of motivating people and inspiring people and the world has learned a lot more about leadership, let me tell you, it's still a minority. Uh, most people, many, many leaders uh, and managers in organizations tend to go to criticism as their primary tool for development and are not as likely to point out the great things that people are doing. Um, I'm not saying that's all people by any means. I'm, I'm grateful that more and more people, that there's this great movement of people in the last generation that are embracing positive reinforcement and really coaching people. But a lot of people out there still do use criticism as their primary tool for development. And so just know that that's the tool they have. They haven't learned another tool. They don't listen to this show. <laughs> and so to the extent that you can realize that that is what they've got and they're doing the best they have with what they've got, um, if you can embrace that and try something and just see how they respond, uh, the champion will be excited if you take a suggestion this week and put something into action that they have criticized you on and see what happens. The bully... Uh, won't care. <laughs> and so then you'll know they're a bully and you can set that aside next time. But whether it's a bully or a champion, try embracing the criticism and just see what happens. You don't even necessarily need to tell them, but you get criticism on something, try to do something their way, see how they respond. Uh, and 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 it, and then if you if you get a better result, something you can try again the next time too. So my final piece of advice here is Love your enemy. This is for the bully. Though you could even use it in the champion situation potentially too, but really this is for the bully. Love your enemy. You know, the faith tradition that I'm a part of has this as a mantra, love your enemy. And I think that that's a really hard thing to do. I know at least for me, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And most of the people I know, uh, both in my religious community and the workplace and personally, really struggle with this as well too. So what I've tried to do over the years is when someone really is a bully or is just someone that is just very painful to work with or to serve or to have as a client or customer is to find one thing about them that I can love. Uh, yeah, they may drive me crazy. Yes, they may be in my face all day long. Um, Yes, they may make me not want to come into the workplace today. But what's one thing I could find about them that I'd love? Do they spend time with their kids on their homework at night? Do they coach their kids' little league, little league team? Uh, do they care for an ailing parent? What's something about them that I can love and appreciate, even if I don't like the person, even if the person drives me crazy? What's one thing that I could find that I could love about them, if not love them wholly? I found over the years that that's really helpful. And if I really take the time to do that, honestly, I've never been able to run into someone that I couldn't find something that I could love about them. 
and I do, I do feel sorry for the bullies. I, I really do, and I'm, I'm grateful to be able to come to a point in my life where more often when I, I am in those situations, which I, I'm struggling thinking of a recent example, which I'm grateful for, um, I, I often just feel more sorry for the bully than anything else. Uh, when someone needs to tear someone else down in order to feel better about themselves, I really do feel sorry for that person, and I find that that also helps me to deal with those situations on the rare times that they happen. And so that would be one thing I'd certainly suggest for those who do find maybe it difficult to love something about a person is to, you know, what, you know, to, maybe to change your perspective and actually feel sorry for them that, that that they unfortunately they never got the tools and the equipment and the knowledge and the education to be able to interact in a different way. And I think about, you know, when I run into those people occasionally, you know, what it must be like to um, be, uh, you know, be a child of that parent or to be married to that person. And, you know, that, that's, by the way, something that's that I've always found really helpful. Um, I was in a meeting many, oh gosh, many years ago, seven or eight years ago, and uh, I sat down with someone and somehow we got to talking about how to handle bullies in the workplace. And I remember she had a really wise comment. She said, you know, when I run into these people, and I think she was talking about the perspective of customers. She said, oh, once in a while, you just run into a customer you just, you just really hate dealing with and, uh, and, and have a difficult time with and just hate having to call <laughs> and handle situations. And she said, you know what, what I would do, what I do in those situations is um, to deal with them as I go home and I talk to my husband and I kind of vent to him and I tell him about this. And he does the same thing with me when we run these situations occasionally in the workplace. Uh, they were in similar careers. And she said, you know what? And then we both say at the end, boy, we're glad to not be married to that person. <laughs> and I always thought that that was really helpful for perspective. As bad as that situation may be, as bad as that customer or client may be, at least I'm not married to that person. At least I don't see that person 24 hours a day. And so here's... The real question, though, what do you do if your boss is the bully? What do you do if your boss is the bully? Well, you know, that's a really, that's a really tough situation. Uh, I've mentioned a few things above that in this episode that I think can be helpful. So, um, you know, loving your enemy can be helpful. Embracing criticism and trying to make some changes can be helpful. Uh, setting aside the tone and the personal attack can be helpful. Listening and just being calm can be helpful. Try one or two of those things and see what might help. And if you've always done one, but you haven't tried another, try another and see if that helps in the situation with your boss. But then ultimately, I would ask yourself, if the situation doesn't get better, are you getting more than you're giving? Is the negativity, is the criticism, is all of that that you're getting in the workplace from your boss, is it worth it? It may be that it is. It may be that at this point in your career that dealing with this particular boss of facing the negativity, of facing the criticism on a daily basis is worth it for you because of the salary you're earning, because of the experience you're getting, because of the network you're building, because of the company you're working with. And, you know, one thing with uh, one blessing and curse of managers is if you have a great manager, eventually you won't. <laughs> and if you have a bad manager, probably eventually you won't either. And so... Um, are you getting more than you're giving? And if you are, and it's worth it for now, then that can be very helpful on perspective of being able to deal with it. Now, if it's not, if you're not getting more than you're giving, if your criticism is happening on a daily basis and it's not worth it for the money, if it's not worth it for the career experience, if it's not worth it for the networks, then 
that may be the time that you start thinking, how do I work towards another opportunity? And that is something I know that is, is often difficult to do. And the economy is still challenging in many places in the world. And I know there are people in this community who are single parents who can't just leave a job because they uh, have a boss that is a bully to them. And, and, I, and, and if you are that person, know that my heart goes out to you. And, I, and I, I can only imagine what a difficult situation that is. And I know you can't just jump to a new opportunity. And you can start to work towards that next opportunity. You can take that one hour a week to build your online LinkedIn profile. You can take that one hour a week to start to make some connections in another industry. You can take that one hour a week to start to think about how you can interact more within your current organization to be able to move and and get in front of a new opportunity or a new manager. So uh, you can, there are ways to move down that path even if you aren't able to make that jump right away. And then one my, my one final piece of advice is when you run into the bullies in life and in work, don't throw them on the bus on the way out the door. You know, um, the, there was an article that came up online a couple weeks ago. Some of you read uh, my article recently. To those who want great careers, don't do what this guy did. It was an article about a guy who uh, left a job at a pretty prestigious company. I won't say which one. You can read the article if you want to know more. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but he left and, and you know, kind of trashed his employer on the way out. And it sounds like, uh, you know, the situation deserved a lot of criticism and the employer screwed up. And the, you know, the manager was pretty bad. That doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give us permission to go and trash people on the way out. You know, no one's going to want to hire someone who spoke, spoke poorly and went on, you know, went out on the internet about their previous employer. Uh, you know, no one wants to be the next person that you say that about. So be cautious about how you handle the situations. Don't throw people on out, under the bus on the way out the door be the kind of leader that you want to be. Like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And if you can do that, then you are well along the path of being able to be the kind of person not only that can give constructive coaching, feedback, and criticism at times to others, but also you're the person that can handle it effectively too. So if this uh, information has been helpful to you today, you may want to check out a couple other episodes as well. I've mentioned them in this episode. The Benefits You Get from a Recognition Program was episode number 79. That's the one with Michelle Smith. She talks a lot about this research, so that's a great episode to check out. I'd also encourage you to check out the episode I did back, episode 85, 10 Ways to Pick Yourself Up When You're Beaten Down. And if you've been facing a lot of criticism, you're likely beaten down. That is an episode that may be helpful to you, episode 85. And then finally, I mentioned Tom Henschel, who has a great podcast called Look and Sound of Leadership. I listen to every episode. I love what Tom puts together. He was on my show here, episode 107, Three Steps to Soliciting Feedback. We were looking at it from the boss's, the manager's perspective in that episode, but there's a lot of things that you can apply uh, to look at it the other way around too when you're the one that's the target of the criticism. So the actions you can take with both the bully and the champion, listen and be calm. Then set aside the tone or the personal attack. If you're talking to a champion, ask for feedback and criticism. Start being proactive. With either the bully or the champion, embrace the criticism and make change. See what happens. 
And then with both, but especially with the bully, love your enemy. I leave you with a quote from William Shakespeare today. Shakespeare said, love all, trust a few, do wrong to none. My question for you this week is what advice would you give for handling a critic? This is not an exhaustive list by any means. I would love to hear what advice you have for this community. And thank you to all of you who have been such prolific writers and commenters on recent uh, episodes in the comment section. I hope you'll join the conversation as well. I would love to uh, be a part of that dialogue with you and to um, see the wisdom you mentioned. And in particular, uh, for those who haven't already uh, noticed this, episode 129 last week was on how to uh, create your personal knowledge management system. If that episode was helpful to you, be sure to go and read the comments that have been written. Uh, there's a whole bunch of folks that have gone in and given a whole bunch more resources and tools on the comments section of the notes too. There's a lot of value there. So I really encourage you to go check that out. And thank you to those of you who engaged in that way. If you have a comment or uh, something specific to this topic today and want to answer that question, what advice would you give for handling a critic? Go to coachingforleaders.com slash 130. That'll take you right to the notes for this episode. By the way, my full outline is going to be up there as well too. Now, for those of you who are a part of the weekly updates and get those each week, you're going to get that in your email box on Wednesday with all of my notes, the outline at the bottom of the email, and of course, the link to be able to comment as well. Now, if you have any comments, questions, or feedback on any topic in general for the show and the community, you can always submit that at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's how our community member had reached out to me for this episode. I'm always up for learning what is going on with you. I want to know how I can put together show topics that are going to be of most value to you. And many of the uh, much of the editorial calendar, I should say, these days of things that I put together for this show and the articles is driven by requests from the community. And I always uh, I always try to make those a priority because that's about you and I want to serve you well. And you can always uh, call with feedback to 949-38-LEARN is the best way to do that. Before I let you go this week, I do want to thank Jackson Ty, Aja Wood, Luis Baberis, Mimi Francisco, Brendan Chestnut, Stephen Arters, Diana Ingel, John Bellingham, Kathy McCoy, Maria Sabriana, I hope I said that right, uh, Maria, Bob Walner, and Athena Leong. Uh, thank you so much for subscribing to the weekly update so you'll get the show notes in your email box this Wednesday. If you would like to get that as well, I publish an email each Wednesday that'll give you the show notes for this episode that airs every Monday and also a booster shot, an article on how to lead better by giving you some advice on how to improve your communication, human relations, and or personal productivity, uh, and of course, the notes from this episode. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll also get instant access to my video overview and a downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others. And there's so much gold in those books. So if you haven't got, if you haven't grabbed that already, again, coachingforleaders.com com slash subscribe. I also want to say a special thank you this week to Alex Azor. Alex reached out to me over email. We've been dialoguing a bunch, and he was very kind to write a wonderful review 
on iTunes, a written review, uh, thanking me for the show and for producing the show. Uh, Alex, I wanted to say thank you. And Alex isn't going to hear that for another three, four, five, six months maybe, because Alex has actually started at Coaching for Leaders episode number one and is working his way through the catalog of past episodes. And so if you're looking for resources that will help you to lead others, you know, most everything that we do on this show is just as valuable to you now as it was when it was first aired. So Alex is going through and doing show one, show two, show three. I think he's on about 15 or 16 now. So Alex, thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you'd like to do that as well, you can go to coachingforleaders.com slash episodes. That'll give you the full episode list of all the shows I've produced almost in the last three years. And if you have been listening and this show's been helpful to you, if you're an iTunes user, I would love it if you take a moment to write a written review, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. And if you're using Stitcher, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. Thanks to everyone. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next Monday.